Welcome to the Avenue Community Church's podcast. We are a family of Christ followers seeking shalom in Memphis. We pray that you are encouraged by today's message. And as you listen, may the word of God shape you to be more like him. And this will be the last installment um, of what our souls most need. I remember um, one of our newly elders, uh, Matt Turhune, uh, him and his wife, Grace, uh, have been eldering me and my family for a long time. And, uh, and uh, he was my elder at Second Prez, and then I finally paid, paid him enough NIL to come to the avenue. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He got, hey, he, got, he got a deal with Super Low, you know what I'm saying? Just the fried chicken department, you know what I'm saying? But that's it, that's it. But uh, anyway, uh, Grace, um, as she, Grace is pretty good. She probably would be a good rapper one day. She's great with the one-liners. Um, as she was kind of pastoring me one day, uh, you know, I think I was whining about, man, how do I do this? How do I help somebody? Da, 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 da. And she's like, you know, in her typical Grace, Tim, let me just tell you, they got to be willing to do the work. That is like a Grace-ism right there. And I just want to just kind of sober us up a little bit that uh, soul work and the maintenance of our soul and to keep it healthy, to keep it strong, to keep it thriving, it doesn't happen by accident, y'all. It takes a lot of work to keep our soul uh, thriving and strong. And uh, part of that is part of you keeping your soul healthy and thriving is that you have to engage your story. Calvin's Institutes in the early throws of the book, just simply says this, that nearly all the wisdom which we possess, that is to say true and sound wisdom, consists of two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. But while joined by many bonds, which one proceeds and brings forth the other is not easy to discern. What Calvin is saying is like, man, hey, if we're going to live a life that's Christ-exalting and God-honoring, we both need to be on a lifelong pursuit to get to know God, and we have to understand ourselves. And he says, man, they're so intertwined, I don't know actually where one begins and one ends, because you, you have even in your life encountered people who know a whole lot about God, but it has no impact on themselves. And so those things have to be growing simultaneously because they interact. We must do the work of trying to understand ourselves and our stories in order for our souls to thrive and to be healthy. There's a podcast called The Place We Find Ourselves, and it features this private practice therapist named Adam Young. And um, him and his guests, they talk about all things related to trauma and story and attachment and interpersonal neurobiology. Um, in one of the first episodes, it just, I would commend it to you, in uh, one of the first episodes, it kind of establishes this idea about brain health. That brain health is a function of the degree to which all parts of your brain are connected with one another. Some of you all are familiar with this kind of terminology, right brain, left brain thinking. The process of reflecting on your story, sharing your story with one another, and hearing another's reaction to your story connects neural networks that are, were previously separated. Scientifically, this is not an over-spiritualization, what is it scientifically, when parts of your left brain and your right brain engage your story and they are allowed to connect, it brings a certain kind of synergy, which he goes on to talk about 
He says, the neurons holding your thoughts stored in your left brain become disconnected from the neurons holding your feelings stored in the right brain. And if you are able to tell your story while remaining connected to your emotions, then the neural networks in the left part of your brain will link up with the neural networks in the right part of your brain. And Jung would go on to call this, this is when you're pursuing, pursuing brain health or your brain is becoming healthy. Or scientifically, they call that process, neuroscientists call that process integration. But allow me to kind of take it a step further and maybe build upon may, what may be being inferred or may not be being inferred. That if you want to be healthy and if you want your soul to be healthy, then you have got to engage your story. And not only does your right brain and left brain need to connect, your story needs to meet a man from Galilee. Who if you could just touch the hem of his garment. He could reverse all of the bad history. True health happens when you go and are willing to engage the dangerous, scary parts and deepest places of your life, engaging those with people and allowing them to show you how Jesus engages with your story. Amen, somebody. So, Jesus... I just want to remind you of this and maybe tell some of y'all for the first time that Jesus, the good shepherd, the one that we just got, singing, got through singing about, the one who says we're never alone, Jesus, your good shepherd loves you. Everybody say he loves me. And he cares about your story more than any other human being ever can or will. Can I just say that again? Jesus, your good shepherd, the one who promises to give you everything you need, he cares about your story more than your wife, more than your mama, more than your counselor. He cares about you and your story and your trauma more than anybody or anything ever will. And in order for him to complete his redemptive work in your life and cause your soul to thrive, he's got to bring his healing touch to your story. So this isn't just about, hey, get free from sin and you got a plane ticket that'll help you skip over hell's fires. No, he cares about how he gets you there is what I'm trying to tell you. And he wants to engage your story, even the parts of it you don't want to engage any longer. We live in a broken world and have incredibly complex and challenging lives. But if you think that there, if there was ever a time in redemptive history where God has left his people with insufficient tools to navigate the brokenness of the world, you don't understand his love for you. If you think that Jesus ascended and left you without the things you need to be able to thrive in this, in this broken world, then you don't understand why his body was torn for you. Jesus has prepared you. Because he cares about you and he loves you. And he who did not spare his own son, <laughs> but gave him up for us all. Now you tell me, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? You got a father who loves you and God is prepared. You know, I am so prepared. That's really why people love me. It's probably one of the strong parts of my leadership here. Just really ready for all types of circumstances. Uh, but don't we all love prepared people? They're a little anal, you know what I'm saying? It's like we love them when we love them, then we're ready for them to go when the time goes. You know it's Saturday, you know what I'm saying? It's not time to clean the dishes and fold the clothes. Don't nobody care about that. I just want to watch these football things, right? 
you know, I love preparing people when I need them, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, but my boy Cope, y'all didn't meet him, Cope's our, our DMO, he's one of those gadget guys, you know what I'm saying? So we'll go places, and all of a sudden, the sun will come out, and I'll be like, hiding. He's like, oh, and he flips out of his pocket like this, this thing he twists open, it's like, oh, bro, and then he flips on these cool sunglasses, like, bro, where them, where them sunglasses come from? Oh, bro, I brought it off of, I've been following this guy, this TikTok, this blogger, and you know what I'm saying? This is a brand new invention. They didn't even come out with it yet. It's, dang, man. It, Grace, am I lying? He got gadgets and gadgets for everything. You know what I'm saying? He'll come out, he'll be back of the back of his heel, he got a cup holder. He like, oh, let me, oh, I got, I got something for that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, golly, man. I ain't gonna lie. I have learned a lot from Coke. Just, oh, man, I'm gonna get me a little pen for my iPad, too, because Coke do it. Right? Gina's another one. She's prepared, and it always comes in handy. You know, I'll get ready to go on a trip, and, uh, you know, I always pack like a week ahead, wash all my laundry, pack, you know what I'm saying, got all my socks color-coded, so it's all pretty easy. But sometimes I allow Gina to help me, and uh, it's like, oh, man, I'm running out the door. Gina, what about, what about my deodorant? She's like, Tim. Last week, I bought a new toiletry thing, and it's, you got a deodorant spot, and here's where your six colognes can go, and this is where you know, it's, it's like, man, it's like, yo, babe, I love you. I love you so much. I love you so much. She take care of her, man. I be straight, bro. But we love prepared people because we know we feel thought about, don't we? We've been considered. Somebody has thought about our next steps even when we haven't had enough wherewithal to think about them ourselves. What I'm trying to tell you is that our Heavenly Father was not caught off guard when He ascended. He was 20,000 steps ahead of the evil one. And He knew, I'm going, but my people are going to be straight. Come on, man. My people will be taken care of. And what I want to try to commend to you today is that one of the things that our Heavenly Father has done is that he has left inside of his body, his church, sufficient gifts inside of the church to navigate every kind of brokenness that the world could possibly throw at us. He's, he's laced us with it. We got what we need. Everybody say, we got what we need. I'm only going to focus on one today, and that's just shepherding. Now, I know we live in a world where there's a lot of suspicion about the church. If you have, you know, been in Christendom for the past couple years, you know, there was a podcast come out, um, you know, what was that one, the, the, the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, and just documents all the trauma and brokenness associated with an abuse of power and things of that nature. And many of you, maybe you've experienced uh, uh, abuse of power in churches, or you can identify abuse of power from other institutions. Um, and what that has done, the trauma of those things has led to the devaluing of shepherding. I should be honest with you. Those things were legit, and they happened. And they cause a lot of pain in your life and a lot of other people's lives. And one of the things that I think God's church is dealing with is just the devaluing of shepherding. It just really doesn't have a whole lot of weight in people's lives anymore. And I wish I could promise you that you will never, ever experience church hurts again. I wish I could promise you you would never experience any kind of those church hurts here. I can't. I know we'll work really hard to make sure we won't and we're repentant. 
But I just want to reassure you that even if this church fails you, God's church is still so big and it's still so vast. He's still got a place for you where you can get up and run again. He's purposefully placed gifts inside of his church. But listen, beloved, you can only experience those gifts if you're still in the church. I just say it one more time. It's nasty. It's hard. Those things that happened, they really did happen to you, and they were horrible and horrific, and they should have never happened. But God didn't throw his church away, and he didn't throw his structure away, and that's what this whole day was about. It's about we're not doing this because we made this up. We're doing this because we believe this is what the scriptures laid out for us to do. This is how God has chosen to perfect his bride until he comes again to have leaders, elders, not just one God, Presbyterians, Presbyterians. Did y'all know we Presbyterian in here? Uh, maybe you didn't know that. But a plurality of leadership to care for God's people. He did that, not us. So let's talk about shepherding. Let me try to, try to not be long. I was already rebuked before I got up on the stage. I'm not going to tell you by who. <laughs> First of all, let's just say this. Shepherding is not new. Um, this is a thread and a motif that's been throughout all of Scripture, right? This idea of the shepherd and the flock. God referring to himself, God referring to the people. The verse Derek read for you out of Jeremiah 3.15, I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. That is in the midst of uh, God calling Israel to repentance. Hey, Israel, you need to get your stuff together. And, but don't worry. One of the ways I'm going to help you get your stuff together, I'm going to send you shepherds. Everybody say shepherds. One of the most Poignant places in all the scripture about where you see this metaphor and this allegory of shepherd and flock is Ezekiel 34, which is just a stinging indictment of how God's leaders have been failing his people. And it's just a big old rebuke, which kind of concludes with God even says, I'm going to send my own shepherd to come to take care of my people. Do you realize how much God cares about you? Do you realize that is what the incarnation was all about? Out of care and concern for his people and his glory, I'm coming down. You know what I'm saying? There's times where my son, he lives in the, um, in the, in the, in the space upstairs, and uh, boy, he get away with murder up there. Shoot, and I, you know, we be yelling, you better cut it down, stop it, turn it, we be just fussing at him. But every once in a while, oh, shoot, I got, come on up. You know, he starts shaping up real quick. Do you realize God loves you so much? He didn't designate somebody. <laughs> he didn't yell. He said, I'm coming. Because I love them. Come on, man. We see how the, the motif is carried forward in the New Testament. This great shepherd that everybody would have recognized in the Old Testament, shepherd Yahweh, right? Well, guess who then puts himself in that place and gives you that kind of imagery? Jesus, John 10. I am the good shepherd in that beautiful statement, making himself this beautiful statement about his divinity, his equality with God. He says, I'm the good shepherd. 
And of course, we know there he starts talking about the ultimate sacrifice that shepherds do on behalf of their sheep. I'll give my life for the sheep. I put myself in between the danger and the ones I love. As we stated before, shepherding is a part of the gifts God gives to his church, Ephesians 4 and 11. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to his church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. And their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Let's, let's just start taking in some of this, maybe taking some notes. First of all, I don't want you to get fooled about anything that just happened. This was not the result of a popularity, who knew the most people, whatever, whatever. What Ephesians 4 tells us is that shepherding is a divine gift. My charge to those four men uh, and Carter when he comes back was that, hey, bro, we weren't just stamping you uh, or, or saying something that we hope to be true about you. We were confirming things that we've already seen in you. And we are reminding you that what we've seen in you wasn't something you conjured up, but it was divinely supplied to you. A gift was placed on you, Sean, Michael, Matt. A gift was placed on you, Warren. We see the Lord's unique grace on you. We confirm it, and we are asking you as our brother, as your brothers and sisters, act in it and upon it. We need your gift, bro. God gave you that gift for us, and we need you to operate in it so that we can be who we need to be. Shepherding is a spiritual gift that must not be outsourced. Hey, how, am I, how are we going to get the people home? How am I going to care for my people in this broken world? Don't worry about it. I'm going to give them shepherds. Do you see it, y'all? Do you see it? This is something God has designed and says, hey, my people, you're going to need this. Gina, Tim, you're going to need this. Use it. Man, I didn't know they made motorized travel toothbrushes like this. This really comes in handy. I'm always fussing, like, Gina, why you at Target? Why you at these places? And then I'd be the main one, like, ooh, I'm so glad you bought this from this man. I'm so good. I know there's trauma. I know we live in a generation that's anti-authority and anti-institution. But now you need to go home and wrestle with your heart. God is saying, I've got a gift for you. Do you want to use it or do you not? I think, sadly, shepherding has either been abused, it's been completely redefined, unused, or outsourced. I just read again. Sadly, I think shepherding has either been abused, redefined, unused, or outsourced. I just want to say, some of y'all have been in churches for decades and you've never been pastored. Some of y'all have been in churches for years and you've never been shepherded. You've had speakers. You've had CEOs. You had buddies. But you've never been pastored. You know, where I'm from, in my neck of the woods, we sing them R&B songs. You'd be in the hood and say, boy, I'm going to show your, your girl what a real man is. 
All right, bro. But you know what? Some of y'all have never experienced shepherding. And I think today's the day to open the gift up because it's for you. So what does shepherding look like? I read that scripture over our new officers. I'll just read it one more time. 1 Peter 5 and 1. To the elders among you, I appeal as, as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. What are you looking for in a shepherd? Let's just start first, care. We've said this, I'll just say it again. You gotta embrace this. We're a needy people. We are not meant to be on this side and to live here forever. We are, we are making the best, elect exiles is what we are, First Peter would say, I'm sure, somewhere. And so um, we need constant care. And the shepherds are covenanted to care for the people, and I just pause, that they are among. You know, sometimes if you, listen, one of the things I have just felt so inadequate and insecure about is, is pastoring through all the social upheaval. Never knowing when I'm speaking too fast, never knowing when I'm too slow, no, I, it just... All types of anxiety, I usually want to crawl under the rock and do nothing and just run away. Just be honest with you. I hate it, you know? I don't know whether you want me to just tell you what you want me to hear. I don't know whether I'm free to tell you what I actually think. Maybe I'm giving you too much right now, but let me just say, you can pray for your pastor. I'd be struggling. Be struggling. One of the things I do know about this, one of my convictions as I'm trying to process through all this, is that I'm not called to be the pastor of America. And I'm sorry if you never see me post this on social media about something that happened in this place and that place that I ain't never visited. But I do know this, that I'm called to shepherd the flock that I'm amongst. And if I'm found lacking in that area, we got all kind of problems and you need to find you another one. But the idea here, too, is that shepherds are not podcasters. They're not just your favorite teachers. They're just not the sharp. There's something personal and intimate about the people who are supposed to be caring for your soul because they are with you and amongst you. So maybe one of the first things you need to be looking for is presence. I think the people who are called to be over you need to be present with you. We don't need to be calling somebody from somewhere. The, the beautiful nature about those people who are called to be elders at Galatia is they're in Galatia. They're on the ground. They know what's going on there. That's what you want. That's a gift to you to have people who can sit with you and have a front row seat to the things that are going on in your life. We're not an inherently resilient bunch. Can we just be honest about that? Yeah, I know y'all was the, you know, you summa cum laude and you ain't never had tuition. You raised it all yourself. You worked at Freddy's and you went, took 60 hours of school. You know, you rags the riches. Amen. Go ahead. And I know you know you was the four-star 
captain of your team and you got six letters, you were part of 7,000 club, a weight club, and you're a strong fella, I believe you, amen. But in Christianity, we are not an inherently resilient bunch. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Do you know we constantly got to be grabbing each other off the ledge? Come back, Tim. Constantly. And those of you all who think you not, bro, you fooling yourself. We can't. Come on, man. Don't give up. That's a Christian message. Hang on, bro. Because we constantly want to throw it in. And so we need people who are there who got a little bit more solid footing than us. They say, come back, come back. It's okay. We here with you. You don't have to throw in the towel. God's people constantly have to be reminded that he's present, that he cares for them, that he will not fail in his eternal plans, that he loves you, that he's capable, that he can deliver you, that he's a refuge. We have to constantly be reminded, and somebody has a charge to constantly do the reminding. And those are the ones who are supposed to be shepherds among you. Shepherding, what are you looking for? You're looking for character. You see, this is First Peter, part of verse 2b, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples of the flock. You know that when you read First Timothy 3, Titus, the other qualifications for church officers, a lot of it has to do with just character. You know, is the person who's running in front of us, even if they're never they're not able to be present with us. Can we just view their life and that be enough of a guide so at least we know how to uh, uh, conduct ourselves? Or in the community, are you dishonest? You taking advantage of people. In the com- on your job, we hear you're a bad boss, man. Everybody underneath you hates you. You know what I'm saying? You know, we, we had to vet Warren. You know, all the teachers, they were like, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> Becky vouched for him, though. Becky vouched for him. But no, there's something about our testimony because you do know one of the fruit of the Spirit is what? Self-control. And we ought to be able to see that. You know what? We know it be hard out there sometimes. You know, you, you know, be hard out there sometimes. But man, does this person who's over me and I'm trying to get more self-control, do they got self-control? Are they long-suffering? Are they patient? Are they gentle? Are they kind? Do they have joy? What we want to do when we nominate people is at least nominate people who have a little more of the stuff that we want to grow in. Amen. Come on, man. Get, yeah, come on. You, yeah, you. Got to be able to run in front. It's care. It's leadership. Let's talk about this. I'll camp just for a minute on leadership. This is probably one of the distinct differences between shepherding and the other gifts and tools that are in the world to care for our souls. I'll say that again. This leadership is the difference between a lot of the other gifts that are in the arsenal of heaven and um, even the tools that are in the world to care for our souls. There are a lot of tools that we can use for, the, for our soul's health, right? Some of those things like counseling, can I just shout out, man, our um, grief group um, and those support groups that Margo's been organizing, they started meeting, and uh, we had an appearance by a superstar counselor come in and lead and uh, just really bless our socks off. Grace is in the room somewhere, but um, man, if you are here and if this is your season to, 
unpack your story with other people. And we're trying to provide some space for you. We're trying to provide some space for you to just be with other people, not to badger you, not to tell you how much you need to tighten up. We're just trying to provide some space for you. No, you're not alone. But those tools, once again, are, are a little bit about probing and listening. I think one of the reasons why the devaluing of shepherding has happened is because shepherding is more about leading. And you would rather have somebody listen to you than lead you. I just got to be honest with you, bro. Shepherding is about leading. And I think all of us feel a little bit more comfortable having someone listen to us than lead us. Being led is hard. I don't like it. Don't listen to that, y'all. <laughs> but how do we need to be led? Because of our mandate, really, to have our minds renewed, we need shepherds to tell us, sometimes just tell us what to do and how we need to do it the right way. That's why we have trainers. I was supposed to get, uh, God, what? Charwell up here. She was supposed to, we had a whole little skit. He was going to enact it about lifting weights the right way, but I didn't wear the right situation. I didn't wear the right situation. But when you go to a trainer, you don't go to the trainer telling the trainer, yeah, let me tell you what I'm going to do. You watch me. Some of y'all, that is what y'all do with y'all trainers. And that's why you don't have a trainer no more. When you, when you have a trainer, you, you, you put yourself at their disposal and say, just show me how to do it the right way. Show me how to work the right muscle groupings. Show me what I need to do. When is the last time you in Christendom have ever asked someone in your church, hey, you just show me what I need to do. I am willing to be led. I know it's hard. Here's what we need to lead you to do. We need you, to, you need to be led to fulfill our kingdom assignments. Do you remember Matthew 28, 19, 20, that one of our primary reasons for still living in this earth is because Christ's mission is not complete. He's only delaying out of patience that more people would choose him. And how will those people choose him? Because I have ambassadors here. Do you realize that your primary reason here on earth is to be ambassadors Agents of reconciliation. And we need to lead you to be reminded of that. Hey, get your, get your eyes off yourself. Get your eyes off your pay raise. Get your eyes off how many kids you got. Are you being about your kingdom business? Sometimes you just need to be reminded. I know that don't feel good, but I'm telling you, I'm trying to be a shepherd. You need to be led in righteousness. We talked about it all last week. A renewed Christ-like mind is not natural. And so we, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture, God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We need to be led in truth. 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. We need to be led to believe. Hebrews 11, do you know that without faith it's impossible to please God? 
That's actually true. You may not believe it, but it's actually true. And so we need to lead you. Keep believing. Keep trusting. He's faithful. He's worthy. He won't fail you. Come on. We need to lead you to keep choosing Jesus. Keep choosing Jesus. How about just maybe the next time you get with your church leadership, your deacon, your elder, your pastor, maybe leave some space. I know we do a lot of unloading. Pastor Tim, I just want to tell you, and it just be 45 minutes, and you just, <laughs> hold on, I got one more thing. <laughs> and you know what I'm saying? We go, 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 we go. How about some, hey, core family leader, what do you think I should do? How about, what do you see that I might have blind spots to that maybe I need to realize or maybe I might be too fearful to admit to? How can I bring my life into better alignment with Christ and his kingdom? Because listen, if you go to the Bergeron, you go see Catherine Purdom in her big old super hospital, you know, that she's building. You come up to Doc and be like, Doc, let me just tell you what's going on with me. I started feeling this in my elbow, and I went on WebMD, and WebMD said this. Can you just, uh, yeah, just give me the stuff. <laughs> that feels really, really tough for someone who's been trained to be able to diagnose and meet your needs. You don't go into the doctor's office telling them. You might start describing, but at some point, you have enough humility to say, they probably know a lot more about this than I do. What do you think? Let me just tell you. I don't consider myself to be a, a proud man, but I do feel confident in this. I know that... A young mid-30s dude from Mobile, Alabama did not end up being your pastor in Memphis, Tennessee because of anything other than God gifted me to do this and be here with you. I ain't the, small, I would, I ain't the best preacher. I ain't the best this. I ain't the best, and we can go down the list, but I know I'm supposed to be here, and I know I'm supposed to be here for you. And there's something about the way God is doing work here that is for you, and it's up to you whether you use it or not. But if you, are, if you think my greatest gift to you is what I do for 45 minutes every Sunday, you're missing it. You are literally probably missing it. If you think the greatest value that you could get out of this church is what those gentlemen do on D hour and what the D... Y'all, the, the shepherding is probably the best part, y'all. But that's not happening up here primarily as much as it's happening in your life, in the middle of your stories, telling you where Jesus interacts and intersects. That's where the beauty happens, y'all. Let me close it up. Hebrews 13, 17 just says, have confidence. Now, this is crazy. Can you put that on? Lex, can you put that Hebrews 13, 17 on the screen? We got to work through that. I might not have gave it to you. Did I not? It's okay. I read it. I'm so prepared. <laughs> Hebrews 13, 17 just says this. Have confidence. In many of the other translations, it says, obey 
your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. I was talking to my mentor about this. He just has a couple quotes that I think would be helpful. He was like, Johnson, how are those who are supposed to give an account for one soul able to help lead them through the deep-rooted problems if they don't let us into their stories? So here, God is saying, hey, Tim, you're going to give an account for these people's souls. And I'm like, well, Lord, they don't, they don't let me into their stories. What am I supposed to do? What you want me to do? Now, I'm going to have to give an account for stuff I don't know. Our elders don't know. Our deacons don't know. Nobody else know. It's oxymoronic. Guess I'm just making a plea for you to give God's church a chance. Give it a chance to work for you. Instead of maybe making a beeline for so many other things, there are extra tools, but why not? If you believe in this thing, why don't you start with his structure maybe first? It's free. And I'm just going to reach out to my elder. And I'm just going to reach out to my deacon. And I'm going to reach out to my core fam. And let me just, and I said that purposefully because you do, you see how many folks in this room? If all y'all hotline me, it's just not going to work. It ain't going to work. But we do have a structure. We have a setup so that we can all be shepherded in this room. He says, Johnson, if the under shepherds are supposed to imitate the chief shepherd and the good shepherd, he says, then their collective shepherding should result in the sheep lacking nothing. Psalms 23. Huh. I had to sit with that for a second. I'm like, uh. I said, yeah, now you might be taking that too far. But it's, it's, it seems super logical. Ezekiel, he's rebuking the people he set up to, he set up to take care of his sheep. Then he comes back in the New Testament and is like, hey, no, I'm leaving, but I'm going to give you some shepherds. So if we are collectively, to the best of our ability, mimicking what the good shepherd is doing, it should be sufficient for the flock, yo. And I'll be the first person to be honest with you. I think the reason why so many, want, so many of our people don't want to be shepherd is probably because of the subpar witnessing of the shepherds. It's probably half and half. There's probably been such bad experiences. I think there's some, some trust that we got to buy back in God's church. The soul is the complete self. We've talked about that. And if the shepherds who are accountable for souls cannot provide guidance beyond surface issues, then why are they even esteemed as being held responsible for souls? He goes on to say, this is why the leaders in Acts 6 were supposed to be full of wisdom, which is the application of knowledge and truth for everyday affairs. They're supposed to be full of the Spirit, which means they are saturated with the Word and the ways of God. I just would not have no elder over me who knew less Word than me and was less confident in the Word than me. I want to be like Jesus. And I want to have confidence in Jesus. So you can't be leading me if you know less about him than me and you're not more confident in him than me. 
move on. Now, maybe that seemed harsh to you, but I'm telling you, that's what I'm driving at. The whole reason why I did this series is because I, I can't control the external circumstances avenue. I don't know when the next time we're going to have another body that we got to come in here and lament for. We can't control that, but we can build you up, though. And that's what I'm about in here. My burden is I got to get you coached up. I got to get your souls healthy enough that you can face whatever you need to face because you have the good shepherd with you always. That's where my heart is at for you, Al. I love this former football player. You know, I was telling the, um, some of y'all been in college athletics. Some of y'all been on the bench. You know, basketball, you know, the kid, you know, Bill knows, you get subbed out because he committed a stupid foul, and then all of a sudden the kid walks by, you know, he walked by the coach, and the coach don't even speak to him, this kid walked by, you know what I'm saying, the coach, and then all of a sudden the coach don't speak, he don't even address the kid, he looked down the line, kid go sit down, who the Bill, who does the, who does the coach talk to? He talked to the assistant coach, coach, get him coached up, coach. They don't fuss at the player. They're like, hey, he don't know what he's supposed to be doing. Get him coached up so he can get back in there. I want you to have sufficient tools to know how you need to navigate this world. That's my job. Ephesians 4, to equip you so you can be built up so that we can fulfill our mission, so that we can hang on to our king, so that we meet him one day. That's our job. And maybe today for you, I'm just sending you home to wrestle with this question. Do you believe that the good shepherd who ultimately laid down his life for us so that we could have new life in him, do you believe that he also gave you shepherds that have his heart? Do you believe that? Or do you believe that's a fallacy? Has he shortchanged you, church, in that area? Do you believe that God has given his church, you especially, some men and women who can care for you, that will not dominate you, who will not abuse you? And do you believe that his love for you did not end at the cross? But that his love prepared, it prepared you even for his departure. Would you allow him to love you? Would you allow him to enter into your story? through his church, and through shepherds who will care for you. That's my question to you today. Or will you continue just to, oh man, we got a great operation over there. Look how much money we got. You got CEO pastor. Me and me and my pastor, we play basketball together sometimes. You tell him what's going on in your world? No, I don't ask him that. He's too busy. It's my job. Or will you continue to just relish in your podcast, Pastor? We know nothing about your life. Man, my pastor, he sure did give a good sermon. Will you allow God's shepherds to care for you?